Let's bow for a word of prayer. We thank you today, Lord, for your wonderful grace and your goodness, and we continue to lift up the bereaved families. There have been several deaths recently in this community, people that have moved out of the community that we know. It is our prayer that you will touch the lives of people. We love you. We thank you for your marvelous grace and your mercy. We thank you for Sister Kimberly being here today. We do pray that you will bless her in her job, on her work, with people that she works with, the difficult people as well as those that she gets along with. Bless the church where she attends and her pastor. We pray for the employment of people in this community and this church, people that are looking, that's looking for work. We pray for We thank you that we have a great God that we can come to and bring all of our concerns. You are the great and mighty King and the Lord of our soul. Those that still have not made the commitment we pray for right now, God, they won't wait, but seek the Almighty God. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23. And after I read, I will give you my title. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. If you don't have your Bible with you, please bring it. (laughs) We also have on the board, you can follow along. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The title for this message is A Good Friend with Deadly Advice. A Good Friend with Deadly Advice. So, Fanny, you still are in our prayers. You have the Coleman family in our prayers. Loss of Brother Jesse. When there was a major transition in the life of of Jesus to another phase of his ministry, we see the words from that time, from that time, he began to show them from that time. When you see those words that occur, often it is a transition in Jesus' life. Mark says in his gospel in Mark Matthew chapter four seventeen, Mark uses the word Teach. And also, excuse me, Matthew 4.17 and Mark 8.31, when we talk about the Lord's teaching his disciples. But when you see the words from that time, you need to pause right there and say, what is about to happen? You get this sense that Jesus is moving with precision to the cross. You know that his plan, his purpose His whole goal in life was to get to the cross. There were some who was trying to get him there sooner than he was supposed to go, and others that were trying to keep him from going. 
But Jesus was going to the cross, but he was going on his own timetable. Point number one, focused on the cross. That would be Matthew 16, 21. Verse 21 of Matthew, as I mentioned, marks another transition or turning point in Jesus' ministry. In, Mar- in Matthew 4, 17, we again see the words, from that time. And at that point when he says from that time, we note that he was beginning his ministry. He was beginning his public ministry. And when he says in verse 21 of Matthew 16, from that time, this comes right after the point where Peter declared that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. He had just received a wonderful revelation from God when Jesus had asked him, and who are people saying that I am? They gave the names of you know, some say that you are John the Baptist. We know that Herod Antipas was saying that, and others are saying Elijah and one of the prophets. But Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Now, that's the question that one has to answer. Who are you saying that Jesus is? You see, if Jesus is only another good man in your life, then you're not going to worship him as God. If Jesus is not the king of glory and the king of kings, You're not going to see him as the Almighty who deserves all of your honor. Peter was the one who said, for the disciples, you are the Christ. And then Jesus says, flesh and blood, Peter, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then we see the transition, and from that time. We see the change because now Jesus is zeroed in and going to the cross. Never can it be said that Jesus ever lost sight of his mission and goal in life. We get lost sometimes in life. We get lost going down the street. Trying to find our way. Now, where am I? Remember my dad said he went to Philadelphia, went to Middlesex, West Middlesex there to to the campground. It's just a small little place. He said every time he came out of his room and got in his car, he got lost. And he's a man that he, he used to, he, he, he could get to places, and he had a good sense of direction. But here, he said, I got lost almost every time I got in my car. <laughs> we can sometimes get lost in our own thinking. Lord, help us. Your mind will take you down paths. And if you're not careful, it'll take you down the path, down the yonder, around the corner, around the bend. And you will say, how in the world did I get here? you got to be careful what you think. But Jesus never lost sight of his purpose. Even though it at times looked like he didn't know where he was going. He knew exactly where he was going and what He was doing the proclamation that Peter made in representing the disciples now causes Jesus to move to teaching and preparing his disciples for his death. This is where he's now moving. He is moving to the point now of preparing his disciples for his death. 
They have already received this wonderful word from Peter that the Lord had revealed to Peter that he was the Christ. Now the Lord himself takes it up and now goes further. You see, Christ was always instructing his disciples. Away from the, 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 the public ministry, he would get with his disciples privately and then expound to them what he had been seeing out in public. He would make clear to them what the parables were. He would answer their questions. And so now he focuses his attention on giving them the details about his death. And Jesus stating what the Father has revealed to Peter and the correctness of Peter's and the disciples' understanding of who Jesus is, Jesus then tells them, don't tell anybody what has been revealed to you now. It's not time for people to know. Don't tell them I'm the Messiah. This is what I need to go through. Don't tell them. He is focused on the cross. And and now is the time that he has to go to and prepare for Jerusalem. You see, when you have a goal in life and you are focused, you've got to be careful that you are not distracted by people who don't have your best interest at heart. When Jesus tells them and begins to reveal to them what it is that he has to do, The understanding we know from Jesus, number one, the place of destination is given to the disciples. He's got to go to Jerusalem. This is what he tells them. You will find that in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. As a reference, I'm not going to turn there because of time, but you can write that down. You will also note in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5 and verse 9, that Jerusalem... Is mentioned. That's the place that he has to go. I'm going to have to, uh, if we can take him. It had been foretold in Scripture that Jerusalem was the destination for the Messiah to come. Now, Jesus, number two, he informs the disciples that he is to suffer and he lists those from whom he will suffer. He's going to suffer from the scribes. He's going to suffer from the elders. He tells them privately who's going to be involved in the suffering. In Jesus' transition from Matthew 4.17, we note that the beginning, but now we note in this verse, the completion. We are at this time that Jesus now understands and knows that my destination is sure And now I've got to prepare the disciples for my departure. One of the things when I was in school, going for my degree, when I was going to school for my psychology, I had to interview, as part of my master's paper, I chose as a topic, uh, death. I can't remember the exact title, but it was dealing with the matter of death. And so I chose and I decided that I was going to interview people. And at that particular time in the 80s, the AIDS epidemic was rampant. And so I went to this individual's house in San Francisco, and as he's talking to me, he he said a statement that was very interesting. He said to me that this AIDS epidemic, it is is something that's hitting an army generation. What do I mean by that? It's hitting people that's young. 
And then he said something else that was interesting. He says, no matter how much and how long you prepare for death, you can never prepare for death when it happens. You're not prepared to receive it. And I find that to be true. Even though we know death may be occurring, when it finally comes, there are times these emotions that runs through you that you just cannot prepare for. What's going through the disciples' mind as he tells them that he's got to suffer? And he lists those who are going to be involved in the suffering. Even after Jesus has, the, the disciples have told Jesus who he was, as we had noted through Peter. And now he's talking about leaving. There must be ultimate focus by Jesus because well many people will try to keep you from suffering and moving in the direction that God has set forth. Do you not know that some people will try to keep you from suffering? You'll try to keep yourself from suffering. Some of you people won't. You know what we'll do? We say, I wish I had the life like somebody else. I wish I had. Oh, no, you don't. Amen. When we look at people, we oftentimes only see the glitter. We are only looking to receive the good things that we see about their life. I wish I had their life. You can't deal with your own life. And the Lord gave your life and has crafted that just for you. And you looking over the fence trying to be like somebody and want what somebody else has. Be content with you. Accept you. But don't settle on you. Settle on the Lord. <laughs> Your friends, as well intentioned as they may be, they will not choose the will of God for your life. They will contradict God's word every time. You think God is going right and he's going left. You think God is going up and he's going down. You think that God is going in and he's coming out. When you think that you understand and know what God's will, I got it in, under control, be careful. God oftentimes does the very opposite of what we think he's going to do. So you've got to be mindful that your friends will oftentimes try to lead you in a path that's away from suffering. But suffering is par for the course. You've got to go through. Stop trying to get your answers from 1-900-medium. They ain't got the answers for you. Coming on at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning saying, call. Don't you go calling them people. Let me see what my horoscope look like today. Uh, what are what 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 am I? Oh, I'm a, a Libra. I'm a Scorpio. A Scorpio. I'm a Scorpion. <laughs> Y'all get that Scorpion? <laughs> I'm a Virgo. Let me let me see. What? Oh Lord, that's supposed to happen today. And and here's the Bible right next to it. I'll get to that in just a minute. I'm looking at my horoscope. Help us, Lord. You want the latest up-to-date news, go right here and look at the Word of God. He'll pinpoint your situation every time. So, we note 
Number three is Jesus has, is telling his disciples. The third thing that we note that he instructs them is that he tells the disciples of the resurrection. So the three, three things are going back to number one. He tells them the place of the destination that he's got to go. He informs the disciple who's going to be involved in the suffering. And number three, under this point one, is Jesus tells the disciples of the resurrection. Now, there really is no need to try to make up things uh, to follow because of not having enough information. Sometimes we'll say, I don't have enough information, I can't go. You, you, you know, you've got enough information. The Lord gave them enough information for them to be able to go along. All along, the Lord had been speaking to the disciples of what they did not understand. He was revealing to them what was going to happen, but they were not always attuned to his word and what he was saying. As I mentioned, he would tell them then privately. But he was always telling them, even about his death. Let me move on quickly. Our time is moving on. Before I go to point number two, I am not interested in hearing what the dead have to say right now. Now get me. I love my dad and mom. But I don't want no special revelation coming to me in the middle of the night from either one of them right now. I don't think I would be able to hear them. I'd be screaming, running out the house, doing something. Lord, help me. I, I, I need you to understand that, that we go to the Lord for our guidance and information. And I tell you, we can hear everybody else but godly advice. And the disciples need to be very, very careful. They have the master teacher. They've got Christ. And yet they often missed it. Point number two, living by the flesh and giving bad advice. Living by the flesh and giving bad advice. That would be Matthew 16, 22 primarily. And how incredible that Peter could receive the most blessed praise that one could receive from Jesus and immediately tried to keep Jesus from completing the mission for which he came to earth. He should have known. He was told, well-intentioned people can be deadly wrong in the advice that they give. They can be well-informed, they can be well-meaning, but it can be deadly advice. I don't know where my parents and the older generation got this idea that when you got burned on the stove, you put butter on it and held it over the heat. I have no idea where that comes from. All I know is that it can cause second and third degree burns. Oh, yeah, that's an old remedy. Put some butter on it and hold it over the heat. I did it. And, you know, and for a moment took away the pain. But I'm thinking I took away that, 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 that's hurting even a little bit more. Growing up, I didn't like to get sick as well. I didn't like to get sick. You get sick, you are in the house. You, you, you didn't go to school. You, you ain't riding your bike. I was like some kids today. They ain't going to school. What they doing riding around the neighborhood? If I was sick, I am in the house for the day. I rarely miss school from sickness. Rarely. 
did not want to have that as part of my day, not being able to go outside. There would be days where it would be raining, and we just looking outside praying that the rain would stop so we could go outside and play. Today you can't get kids outside when it's 85 degrees because they sit in front of the TV, watching TV, or playing those computer games. We used to go outside and make up our games. Now let me go on back to my, my points here. Just take that for free. Peter must have been beside himself to call Jesus to the side and begin to rebuke him. You know, pride is really deceptive. Pride is deceptive. Imagine this. Peter has just received a wonderful revelation. And in the next moment, he is now beside himself with pride and being filled with the words of Satan. You can sometimes be praying, and and if you're not careful through pride, before you say amen, Satan will have filled your heart and mind with things that you didn't even think would be there. Be careful. Pride will set in, and you won't even know. Peter was treated just like Satan by Jesus when Jesus began his ministry. When the Lord told, told Satan, get thee behind me, these are the same words that he used for his disciple who had just pronounced that he was the Messiah. Just had been blessed. He, the Lord had blessed him. Blessed are you. Uh, Peter, Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you. And then turn around, get behind me, Satan. Be careful that when you hear from the Lord, you don't get beside yourself. Does Peter feel a certain privilege that he can now take Jesus aside and counsel him? Does Peter feel that he can now become the teacher of the teacher? And rebuke him? Does Peter somehow feel that he has knowledge since the foundations of the earth that he can impart to the Almighty God and tell him that he does not need to go to the cross? Peter, you are a stumbling block to me. Do you not know that word stumbling block initially comes from, according to Dr. Butler, it, it comes from the idea that word stumbling block, to, it means to bait. It was where bait was put on the block. A piece of bait. You are a stumbling block to me. Don't think that you are so up here that Jesus won't rebuke you. Don't, don't, there are some preachers who think that they, they are so close to God that they, could, they are the only ones that can hear from God. And will get beside themselves. The Lord knows how to humble people. And if you, the Bible tells us, humble yourselves before God. You know, because when God starts humbling, he knows how to humble. Peter takes Jesus. To the side and get this. I can imagine as he's leading Jesus to the side, puts his arm around him. Jesus, come on over here. Come. What are you talking about? You got to go to the cross. Never should that happen. Where are the other disciples? 
Peter has taken on the role now as if he's a teacher. Going to teach Jesus when he just told Jesus, when he asked, he said, you're Jesus, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. And now he thinks he has the words to say, living by the flesh and giving bad advice. Being the spirit one moment and in the flesh the next. Point number three, and I'll soon be done. Peter rightly rebuked for bad advice. Peter rightly rebuked for bad advice. It'd be Matthew 16, 23. The word offense, as I mentioned, the word offense, you are an offense. The word offense, once it is translated, means stumbling block. Offense, you are an offense. You are a stumbling block. It was an animal trap that was baited. You want to get an animal, put a little bait on it. You got a problem with mice? Put a little peanut butter on that mouse trap. Not always. Put some peanut butter on that mouse trap. It will attract them. Do you not know that Satan knows what you like? He will wait till Saturday night, early Sunday morning. And create a special plan and bait just for you. He will craft something designed just for you because he knows where your weakness is. You've got the best intentions. I, I, I'm going to use Elaine today who called me. And even though this is nothing on her, it was her body. She said, I was preparing all week long. I was excited. Oh, wanting to come to church. Just excited. I'm, and then I woke up this morning in pain. And she was so greatly disappointed. Not that we don't have pain, but that was she was looking forward to coming to church. But she was not able to. But, but when we think about matters that Satan creates, he creates opportunities for us. Time to go to church and he'll create a, something that really interests you. you. You have something, I'm planning tomorrow to go and something the night before comes up. And whatever you might plan, he's got something that's, that's given to try to throw you off course. And you've got to be very, very careful that you are watching. When the Bible says that we are to watch and pray, it is because there are certain tests the enemy will bring and certain things that he will try to do to take us off of our course. That's why it's always important to pray. Prayer is your channel to God. It is your link to God. There are times when you sometimes feel, you know, I just feel like I just need to pray. Have you ever been in a situation to where you didn't know what was going on, but you felt the Spirit of the Lord saying, you need to pray? Didn't know what was happening until much later somebody told you, and then your mind reflects back, oh, that must have been why I was feeling the need to pray. Because when you plan to do good, evil is also right there. We've got to watch Satan and his imps. Because he's got a plan just for you. So you got to watch. So Peter is rightly rebuked for his bad advice. He was a stumbling block. 
He was a person that was a stumbling block. And if you note carefully, when the Lord told Satan at the beginning of his ministry, when he was led into the wilderness and he brought these temptations, Jesus rebuked Satan. And then when we look at here in this verse, the Lord rebukes Satan. Listen, he looks at Peter, but he rebukes Satan that is using Peter. And i got to imagine, the Bible says that the Lord turned to Peter. It's as if when Peter led him away, he might have had his arms walking around him as they're walking. And then he gets to the place when the Lord, he turns to Peter. What do you think Peter's expression was at that time when he received this rebuke from the Lord? Do you know, what, what, what do you look like when you got in trouble by your parents or your guardian, whoever you get in trouble with? You, you kind of had that look on your face. You knew you were in trouble. You, you, you had that certain look. What did Peter look like? Those were the strongest words that the Lord could use right after Peter had confessed him as Lord. Get behind me. You don't counsel the Lord. Jesus has not lost direction. He has not lost the course that he's on. He's going to the cross, and Peter is trying to keep him from getting there. Even though he's well-intentioned, even though he had been a friend, he gets rebuked. Your friends will try to keep you from reaching your goal. Your goal includes trouble. Your goal includes pain. Your goal includes hardship. Stop trying to get to the other side without going through something. Say, thank God for the difficulties I'm in. Because he's making me, and I know on the other side, there's a good thing that the Lord has for me as I go through. That's why sometimes people can't appreciate what they don't pay for. When you're giving everything free, you don't appreciate it. Well, go out there and pay for your own car. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Be parking your car way at the end of the parking lot. Taking up two parking spaces. Mess with some people. I go park. Sometimes I, I don't really do this. But I, I want to go get, a, get a, a basket and park it right next to their car and go somewhere else and leave. Go sit and watch them, what they do. Ain't nothing else wrong but a, but a, a cart. What? And I want to go look at the car. Any scratches on my car? When people got to pay for things themselves, they take care of them a little bit better. Kids don't value money until they got to start earning it and then spending it themselves. It has a little different value for them. You, end, you, you appreciate more what you get when you go through the trial. When you go through the difficulty, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. But, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Bring me through. And then as you're going through and you get to the other side, you can say, oh, thank the Lord. You've got a testimony in your heart because of what God has brought you through. Rather than saying to a person, I don't know what, you, what you're crying about. It ain't all that hard. You ain't been through nothing. Jesus would have no part of Satan's scheming, and he would not be tricked 
by what appeared to be a reasonable concern from a close friend. At this moment, Peter was a spokesman for the enemy. Well, he had been a spokesman for the disciples, he now has traded sides for convenience. Compromise is always the bargain that Satan tries to give rather than endurance through the pain and the suffering. Peter is rightly rebuked for giving bad advice when his very life depended upon Christ going to the cross. Sometimes your kids need that shot. And even though they don't want to go to the doctor, you know they need that shot. And so there you are crying with them sometimes that you hold them down and say, yes, I'm going to give you this shot. Why? Because you know they need it because of the benefits that comes down the road. Take your trials that you go through and recognize that on the other end, as you go through, not only are you going to be blessed for going through, but you can appreciate more of what the Lord has in store. No matter what Satan brings your way, God has the ultimate plan. Stop trying to get all the good things without going through things. Christ knew that there was suffering at the cross, on the cross. He knew that. He knew that was his lot. But he would not give in for convenience. So Peter, he told him, Satan, get behind me. Thank God that he went to the cross because it allowed you and me today to be able to have the blood applied to our very lives. God bless you. Stand with me, please. Stand, 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 stand. Amen, amen. There is no getting into heaven Without the blood applied. When Christ looks at you, when God the Father, when they look, they want to see the blood applied. Over 2,000 years ago, Christ shed his blood at the time that was designated. Thank the Lord that he would not be deterred. If you have not yet received Christ, if you have not yet received the gift of life, what are you waiting for? It's free to you. It cost him everything. And all he says is all you have to do is repent and accept what he has already done. You can't offer anything to salvation. It's been paid and done for you. How much does it cost you to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I accept you. And to then be with Christ forever as you live for him. Now that's something worth accepting. If you're in this place and never have said yes to him, today is your day. No long, drawn out thing. It says, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I accept you as my Savior. That's it. You mean it in your heart. According to Romans. You are saved. Lord, in this place today, we pray that the hearts and lives of people will yield to the glory and the power of the Almighty. We pray for those that have not said yes, that they will simply say, God, forgive me.
I accept you. And then allow you to do the work that begins to do the cleansing and the cleaning in the life of the person. We've all been sinners. We are all that God come to you were saved by grace. <laughs> we can't boast of anything ourselves but the grace of the Almighty. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you, Lord, for not taking the easy way out. And so we pray today that we will bear our cross. We thank you for all that you're doing. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And today what I'm going to do is you go out as they have things out there kind of prepared for you. I'm going to stand at the back door and greet you as you head out. Um, Mother Catherine, God bless you as you turn to another year. Enjoy your family. Thank God for family. Amen. God bless you.